Well, good morning and a welcome to this part of the service. Special welcome to all the visitors. Lamar, it's good to see you. Um, when I saw you, I thought, oh, you could be up here today. But that's okay. It's my turn. Um, I actually wasn't going to share this, but in prayer, Lord just laid it on my heart. As I was preparing this message, last night laying in bed and then this morning, I kind of felt weary. It's just, this is like my seventh, somewhere in there, seventh message on these locked hearts. And uh, just being kind of a fear of being afraid that some or all of you might be weary too, just tired of it. It's, I mean, this is the fifth heart. I've got seven more to go. I'm not even halfway. And I just had music playing on uh, the computer. Um, and I was looking at the uh, Sunday school lesson, just inter instrumental. And uh, started playing the uh, I Won't Have to Cross Jordan Alone. So I just started singing. Just the first line, that's all the further I got. And I just, it became real to me of what Jesus really is to me. We don't have to cross Jordan alone because of Jesus. How wonderful that is. So I just started praying, just thanking him, just asking him that he would just send the comforter and just spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. I need it. And I'm not a promoter of pictures or visions or anything. I'm not a promoter of that. But it happened. It was just kind of bright. Just kind of a vision of Christ right in front of me. With his arms out as he was coming, wanting to give a hug. Then the thoughts came, you know, this was Christ's ministry when he was on earth. He always focused on the heart. Whenever he taught, he was teaching to the heart. He, and when he rebuked, it was the actions that brought the rebuke, but he always focused on their heart. That was the issue. And it just gave me a peace in Laverne. Just keep on. Everyone needs to understand hearts. Everyone needs to understand why at times we do what we do. So, today we want to continue. 
and keep moving on. So, so far, we've looked at the hostile, the defiant, rebellious, the neglected, and the self-focused locked heart. And today, we're focusing on the rejected locked heart. You see, when a heart is locked, there is no way, in any way, shape, or form, that you're going to get into their heart using the front door. You will never get in when it's locked. You've got to find other sources, another way to get in. You've got to get in through the wall, a crack in the wall, and it's just seeping in. So it takes a continuation of keeping on and keeping on and keeping on and not giving up. It's just you love and you love and you love, and that keeps seeking, seeping and seeping in because they will not open that front door until they feel safe, until the wall is softened enough where you can get in. So that's one thing we must understand. You know, you get frustrated at times. You work with a person, and you work with a person, and you just can't get anywhere. It's because you're trying to get in the front door. You've got to try something different. You've got to just love and start understanding the heart. So many times we fail to understand what really is going on. We look at the fruit, but we fail to look beyond that and see what's really going on inside. And then start caring. That's the only way you'll get in is through caring and loving. And many times when I was in that condition I didn't want to be the person I, w I was. I didn't like myself in that way, but yet I couldn't let him in. I couldn't let allow, I couldn't even allow God to come in and change me. I didn't feel accepted because I was rejected. I had felt rejected and I rejected myself. And that's a lonely, lonely condition to be in. But I've got some good news today. So first, we'll look at the description. <coughs> Excuse me. They feel unloved emotionally, resulting in their inability to love. And I always thought I was loving. And, but later I found out it was intellectual love. It wasn't that emotional love. Um, I could hug. I could kiss. Everything. I, I, I thought I was love. And I was loving. But it wasn't that deep emotional connection that we all desire. Because if a person feels rejected and unloved, they will be unable to love. Because there's no way you cannot give what you don't have inside. If you feel unloved, and if, if your love tank is empty, how can you give love? If a tank is empty, it's empty. You can't give. So it first must be filled. 
and they are self-focused on their pain and can't attach or give to others. It's not safe. See, I wish the rejected heart would have been before the self-focused heart because I would have had the neglected heart and in that neglect, I became rejected. I felt rejected, abandoned at times, just rejected overall, if you remember my story, of just the mocking and just never good enough and uh, just didn't fit in. I wanted to belong and I just didn't belong. Um, so I was rejected, and through the rejection, I became self-focused. And through my self-focusedness, I became immoral, which the next one will be a morally locked heart. And so as you can see, I'm right in the thick, and I'm almost tired of thinking of it because it's just over and over, I think, of my life. And it's okay. I want to because it causes me to praise God because... If it wouldn't have been for a wonderful wife, through that frustration, when I was going through the depression, she chose in her frustration to care for my heart and just sit down and listen. If it would not have been for that one person, I know God does the work, but he can work through people. And he worked through Luella. If it would not have been for her caring, I would not be here today. I know I wouldn't be. I would have ended it. and they feel like everyone is rejecting them. You see, this is where I was. And even the people could have the best intentions. They would, um, they want to befriend me. They wanted to, and they would give me compliments. And it's just, I couldn't receive compliments. Today, it's still hard to receive compliments. It's just, take 20 years of this, and it's hard to, um, that was just life. I, I, I didn't receive compliments. And it was just, I felt like a nobody all the time. And uh, you see, in my heart, I didn't feel worth it for the compliment. And You see, when I say they have good intentions, when I went in my depression, a couple days I didn't talk at all, said nothing. Then Luella had said, no, we can't go on like this. You've got to talk. So I did, okay? So I said what had happened, you know, they were mocking and and uh, I just, it was enough, I, I broke. And then she had just mentioned in a loving way that, well, they were just having fun like you do. I mean, they were just teasing. So 
So I shut down again. Because in my heart, I was rejected again. She didn't mean it that way. But in my heart, I was rejected again because of she wasn't understanding what I'm going through. And, uh, but later, all things worked out. And uh, we would sit for hours at times and just talk and talk. I would just have to dump and dump and dump. And I mean, there was just loads, loads of garbage that had just trashed my heart. So let's go to the causes. When the, when the spirit of a child is destroyed by harsh and unsympathetic parents. See, this happens when parents discipline their child by shouting or physical abuse. They're disciplined. Um, they're not disciplined in love. And... It is so important that the young generation understands. I encourage everyone to read the book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, because you must focus on the heart of the child. You must. Because if you're not focusing on the heart of a child, you're missing it. Um, you're raising hypocrites because you're changing their actions but not their heart. And then, and so many times, it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in what others think. We may be at home, we're fine with the children. But then we go away, this was part of my life. When we'd go away, we were with the church or whatever. Man, I had hawk eyes on my children because I was concerned what others think of my children. And then at times I would correct them away from home where I wouldn't at home. And because of what I thought others might think, that will break a child's spirit. It doesn't have to even be loud, shouting. Inconsistency. It destroys them. We must be the same at home as we are away. And we must be consistent and always focusing. It's for the child's sake. We're correcting the child for their sake, not my sake or anybody else's sake. It's sometimes you hear, just what do you think this makes me look like? You know, I don't really care what it makes dad look like. Let's focus on what does it, what, what is happening with the child? What does it look like for them in the future? The heart must change. Is there selfishness? Is there whatever? You know, when they're fighting and uh, about this toy or whatever, focus not on taking away, but more on that selfishness. You don't do that. You know, check your heart. And then so they always, when it just becomes habit, that when something wrong happens, that child will go into their heart. Wrong. Why did I do that? Rather than being hypocritical and hiding it and just pretending everything's good, sitting here, everything looks so good. Everybody, it's just fine. But then Monday, 
to Saturday is total chaos. That's hip, that's a hypocrite. God wants us every day. We need to serve him every day. And it also happens where there's a lot of discipline and not um, compliments or um, words of affirmation. That's where they feel rejected. See, a healthy, they say a healthy balance would be 10 words of affirmation or compliments to one correction or criticism. That's the healthy balance. And I've failed many times. And high expectations resulting in disapproval. This is the pressure to perform. It happens when children aren't allowed to be children. There's times people, if they would have drove by our place that one cold afternoon, we had a flood. And there was three foot of water out in the pasture and water was going across the road. And uh, my son's got this wonderful idea. I almost joined him because it was just the kid that was in me that I never could be. Um, they put on this these clothes. It was cold. And they went out in this uh, water tank. And they started using that as a boat. Well, it didn't float very good. Next thing, they were in the three three foot of water and boots were full of water and they were out there finally they were just diving in and just swimming or whatever I could never ever have done that never I couldn't even step in a mud puddle without getting in trouble and I'm not saying that against the parents it was just I wasn't allowed to be a child now that part is missing in me and I would have just loved to go out and join them and I'm not praising ourselves that we are so good now no but the children must be able to be children let the boy be a boy within reason. Um, we must be very discerning. There is a balance. And it's also easy for us as pastors to be more critical on our children. It's just, what would the congregation think if they see you like that? You know what? That's not fair. We dare not do that. My children are no different than your children. The expectation should not be any different. And I know that's not that way in the congregation. It's me, me doing that. You know, that's devastating to a child when we try to put them in a mold that they don't fit. And if they, in fact, if we as pastors do that, they actually resent the calling because they'd rather not have it. It's because we can't do anything right anymore. So, another thing is the pressure to perform. When we ask our children to help us, please never redo the work in front of them. When I was at home in the summertime, wasn't in school, so I, most of the fam, the sisters were all gone, and uh, 
doing the, uh, um, they were at work, babysitting, whatever. And then uh, I would be at home and helping mom with the laundry, and she was actually pretty proud of me. There was one time that uh, the neighbor ladies came for um, coffee break, and um, we were doing the laundry. So she left, and I just finished everything. And the ladies were amazed, you know. I mean, he's doing the laundry by himself. Oh, yeah, you know. Well, needless to say, I was trained very good. And uh, you see these dresses, there were four, la five ladies in, in the home. There were four sisters and their mom. And we had like seven different colors of hangers. And these dresses were on different colors of hangers. And it was hard to get them straight. And, uh, but the one time that hurt was I, w I was sent out and I was, uh, hanging up the towels, bath towels. And, uh, never gave a thought. I just, what I would see on the line, I was just hanging them up. Then mom came out and, oh my, these aren't hung the right way. You see, uh. Those little tags that say what material it is and how you care for it, that's supposed to be hanging down, not on the line. And then also, you know, where it's folded across, there's a face and a back of the towel. So the back is always against the line when you clip it. Well, I knew then, but she redone everything um, in front of me because it wasn't hanging that way. Um, and I'm not saying that to be critical, but just don't do that in front of a child because it destroys I mean it, it drove me into perfectionism um, I, it had to be right and I, I just want to give you a picture of a lovely couple that's my mom and dad they are so precious to me I'm not saying this to degrade them or anything they are very, very special, and I love them very much. They did the best they knew how, and they improved from what they grew up in. Remember how I said how Grandma, when we were there, um, I was scared of Grandma because whenever I would do anything a little wrong, here comes this little whip, you know, and this little boy would just run and hightail as hard as he could. You know, Grandma was someone to be scared of. Mom wasn't that way. But she was particular in how everything was done. She was a perfectionist. And, but understanding, I can understand um, why some of the things were the way they were. And I love them very, very much. Now, at home one time, we had one of the children. They were helping and uh, I love this picture. Can you imagine where my mind went when I saw that? And it was such a blessing that they have a mom that left it. Now, she did teach them, you know, next time, you know, have them even and try to have them neater. But she did not care what others thought. She was more concerned about the heart of that child. And they dried that day. They did. 
And that's one thing I'm bringing out. It's just, it doesn't have to be perfect. But seize the moment to teach them. Seize an opportunity like this to just teach them in. It's an opportunity. Either you can make it or break it. And children's hearts are very fragile. And this is a picture we will keep. So, if you struggle with the pressure to perform, this, these are some words that are a good encouragement for me. Come unto me, all ye la that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That are heavy laden, that pressure that we have, just take it to Jesus, and he will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. And ye shall find rest for your souls, unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, there is no pressure to perform when we live for Jesus. There's no pressure. Another way is overprotection. How we can damage the child's heart and feeling rejected. I was overprotected. At 18 years old, mom even tried to talk me out of going to Wisconsin Dells with the friends. It was just, I, she wanted me at home. And uh, see, what I, under, what I found out was, see, when I was two years old, I had a baby sister, and she lived for nine hours and passed away. And then she was emotionally connected with me. And whenever there was something to do at home, she would always get me to do it and not dad. She was emotionally connected to me, same as married to me. That's why she did not want to see me go. And when I married that day, she sobbed on my shoulder, worse than she did when my sister married, um, because she was losing me. And, uh, and I had to work through that, same as divorcing that, so that she has no more hold on me. Um, and that's not saying it in a bad way. She had went through a trauma of losing that child, and uh, she just connected to me then. But then I suffered through it. Smothering a child will leave them stifled and unfulfilled. Although usually done with good intentions, overprotection, overprotective parenting develops unhealthy fears in children. You mean they, they can't go and learn for themselves. They can't get hurt. Because they're so protected, they can't learn, you know, doing this will hurt. As far as, um, there's just some things we need to learn on our own. We need to allow the children to fail at times. Um, Overprotection just damages. You know, it's not really safe to be yourself, just be what mom and dad want to be. They, it's hard for them to nest. And one other form, a way, is through adoption. A child will always, I can say always, in certain forms, they will feel abandoned and rejected because their mom did not want them. When they get old enough that they realize that, that mom did not want me, 
they'll, they'll go through a battle of rejection, some more severe than others. Um, but their adoptive parents play a large role in how, how severe that struggle is. How well are they cherished? How um, sometimes some of the adopted children are not liked as well as the biological children, and they will feel that. And then, then there's a double rejection. And uh, it's, it's sad that it goes that way because adoption is the heart of God. We are all adopted by Jesus Christ. And for all these little children, I mean, I, I encourage anyone, adopt. I mean, these, these precious little children need homes. They need moms and dads to love them. Um, it's, it's very, very precious but it can also be very, very damaging to a child if they get in the wrong hands. And uh, so I want to be very careful in this because there's a form of rejection. It just is, and it hurts. Um, because I went through that, but I had my real parents. Um, so we'll move on. And... Uh, want to get to the end where we can uh, find freedom. Consequences is people pull away from them because, I mean, they just can't get to you. I mean, finally they give up and they just leave. Well, then you're rejected again. And it's just a vicious, vicious cycle that you get into. Finally, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth my time, so they leave you. Or they pull away from others. Um, you know, if a spouse or a person challenges them, they can't accept it. It's because it, they think, in in a rejected heart's eyes, it's another form of rejection. It, a correction is always a form of rejection, even though it's not meant that way. It's in in a rejected heart's eyes. It's another form of rejection. See, in my rejection time, when I had the rejected heart, my wife tried so hard, you know, to give compliments and just mean how godly man I am and how blessed she is and what, and it, it just bounced off. I mean, it's just, I couldn't believe it in my heart. And... One thing I struggled with, I couldn't grasp that God really accepts me. Because as, as a child growing up, you know, I hated God because of how he created me. I loved Jesus, but I hated God. I know it doesn't make sense, but as a, as a little boy, it made perfect sense. And uh, because Jesus is the one who loved me, and he is my Savior. And, but God, he's the one who created me, and man, I did not like him because there's nothing but hurt in the way I was created. And I couldn't quite accept how God accepts me just the way I am. I always felt pressure to perform for him, and I knew I couldn't live perfect enough to gain his acceptance. And that was a struggle I had for years. I just, I just struggled with that. And so I want to, if you're in that situation where you're struggling with 
not being able to really accept that God accepts you just the way you are. If you're in Christ, God accepts you. So I'm going to go to Ephesians 1. I guess I had missed one. They can't feel acceptance. Driving too fast. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us before we were even created that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In Jesus Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. Because Romans 8 also says, There is therefore now no condemnation, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who won't not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no condemnation if we are in Christ. I mean, I'm accepted and I am loved by my Father up above. Now what more do I need and what more do you need? That's really all we need. But it's so hard at times to see and feel because we can't touch it. We can't, uh, all we can do is believe it. And uh, so many times we focus on we need the acceptance of people. We need the affirmation of people. That's me. And, and it's, there is a balance. We do need to hear it from people too. But ultimately, we must go there and know that we are accepted in Christ. And we are the, in the beloved. And we are so special in God's sight. Even... I'm getting into the, I'm going to show a video afterward. And it's just powerful when we're down to listen to that. It's just powerful what God really thinks and how, what his thoughts are towards us. And what, I mean, even before he created us, he knew us. It's amazing. He called us. He chose us. Okay, so how do we, we resolve the heart, locked heart. First of all, is accept God's love. In Christ, sorry, stop running from God who loves you. For years, I was running from God. Accept his forgiveness and claim his acceptance. That's, that's the key. Number one. For anything, per practically anything in life except God's love and stop rejecting yourself I was my worst enemy rejecting myself I was never good enough for myself in Christ you are a child of God stop denying your sonship when you look down upon yourself you're denying your sonship in Christ you are joint heirs with Jesus so act like it. I'm talking to myself. These were things I had went through just a couple months ago. Having these negative thoughts. Self-rejection denies your identity in Christ. God never created a nobody. 
we are created in his image. The day when I was feeling like a pile of doo-doo. In, in reality, that's what I was saying God is because God created me in his image. So the way you think of yourself is the way you think about God because we are created in his image. So let's be careful how we think about ourselves. Let's not think too highly of ourselves either. But let's, let's realize who we are and how God created us. Resolve bitterness. There comes that bitterness again. Stop blaming others for your problems. You see, so many times people make the mistake of going back, taking care of the emotions. They just worry about their emotions. Oh, I feel so down, you know, that I feel so bad because this happened or you did this. And, you know, you just don't know how that made me feel. Oh, Jesus, speak your peace to this pain. And he does, okay? But it's going to come back. If that's all we focus on, it's going to come back. It doesn't go away. Because behind every emotional issue, there are spiritual issues happening in your life. And if those spiritual issues are not taken care of, your emotional issues will never be stable. The key to freedom is take care of spiritual issues. And your emotional, just taking care of emotional issues will not take care of spiritual issues. They will not. They will never just take care of that. And too many people try that. They don't want to go into their own heart. They want to see what others have done. This is hurt and that is hurt. And that's all they take care of. And they can't figure out why, why they're hurt again. That's because their issues inside, their inability to forgive has not been taken care of. Then they're offended. And then they're offended. Then they're offended. Take care of the spiritual issues. The offenses go away. I've been there. Done that. But you've got to go and you've got to clean your heart and allow Jesus Christ to totally redeem it. Because Jesus Christ is a redeemer of totality, not just a partial. We cannot be hiding things and think we're going to be free. We cannot do that. And we must accept the responsibility of our actions. It was my fault that I was offended. It was my fault that I was hurt. It was not their fault. They did What they did might not have been right, but I responded wrong. And if we don't take care of that issue, it'll come again. Guaranteed. Because you're not changing your heart. You've got to go into your own heart. Pretty soon I got to skip some notes here because I'm going without notes. But it, it's so key, we've got to understand that. Too many people just want to take care of the emotions because that's the easy thing, because it's the other people that are wrong. But we've got to take care of our bitterness because it will defile many. The scriptures say so. Just a little root of bitterness defiles many. And it destroys our children. That's the sad part. It'll destroy our children. So stop blaming others for your problems. Take responsibility and forgive those who have hurt you. 
you may go back and recognize what's causing you to feel rejected. Don't blame, just forgive. You see, recognize how you have given ground to the Okay, when we choose to be bitter against someone, we have given ground. This is this round circle will be your heart. And these are Satan wants these little bases of operation, and that's where he starts fighting out of, just as in the army. And so if he can get us to be a little bitter, then what happens? Oh, then we'll have negative thoughts toward them. Oh, then we'll be pride comes along and man, we're not as bad as they are, buddy. They're they're terrible. And then we start rebelling against them. Next thing we know, for me, it was immorality yet. And on and on and on. It just goes from one to the other. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy us. That's Satan's mission. We're not to give place to the devil. That's what it means. Don't give him a stronghold in your heart. So when you work through your bitterness, make sure. You know, it's it's key to forget, to ask for forgiveness. If you have sinned yourself, let's say immorality. But make sure you take care of the stronghold. Pray through that. I ask you, Lord, to take back the ground that I've given to the enemy, and I yield it to your control. And what happens in the spirit realm, that that base of operation is bombed. It's wiped out. Satan has no more control of that part. That's what that's what's happening in the spirit world. Same as happening here. There's a battle going on. There's a war. We are in a war. Spiritual war. Because see, where I get this is 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Why does he say that? It's because Satan has strongholds in our hearts if we bow down to him. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is so key. Our negative thoughts, all those we have to take into captivity to Christ's control. We've got to give it over to him. We can't on our own defy all these thoughts. Satan is too fast. I was there. That one day it was just every five seconds there was a negative thought. Just boom, boom. I was just worn out. I couldn't take it no more. We've got to surrender and just give it to Christ. Take responsibility. And having in the readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Don't go back in there. Resolve the negative thoughts. For years, years, I entertained negative thoughts. The more I thought them, the more I believed them. And the more I believed them, the more I thought them. And it was just a vicious cycle. It was just a bad habit. Daily. Every day. It was just bad negative thoughts. Negative thoughts about myself, about others. And so how do you resolve them? 
there's a sample prayer. Just something like this, whatever little prayer you remember. Lord, I acknowledge that destructive and negative thoughts from the enemy are influencing my heart and controlling the way I respond to others. I have believed the lies of Satan causing me to be enslaved to them. I desire to be free from such negative thoughts and to know the freedom in my heart that comes only from your truth. I ask you to identify each negative thought and replace it with the truth from your word. I ask you God to take back the ground that I've given to, the, to Satan through my negative thoughts, and I yield that ground to your control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If we believe a lie of Satan, we must go to the sword, which is the word of God. And pierce that lie with truth. That's the only way it'll go away. And we must believe the truth in God's word. Recognize that they are the lies of Satan. Renounce them. Speak God's truth to the lies. John 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's what will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. We have all been in bondage, for all have sinned and fall short. Neither one of us can say we've never been in bondage, because we all have sinned. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Hallelujah. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. It's through Jesus Christ. That's the only place I can take you again. That's Jesus. That's the only place. Just give it all to Jesus. Allow him to set you free so you can be free indeed. Then you can have that wonderful pure heart that is so freeing. And it's so, I never imagined the weight that was on my shoulders through all that time. But once I had released it, it was just like I was floating. Never felt that way before. It's amazing what God does through Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes in and he transforms you, transforms that heart into a clean heart, pure heart, undefiled heart. When we have, when we're clothed in his righteousness and in his holiness. And let's remember that just because Christ has set us free doesn't mean that Satan's not going to come and try again. It's not over. He's still going to come and try to steal, kill, and destroy your peace. So be hidden in Christ. Envelop yourself in Christ. Put on the whole armor of God, which is Jesus Christ, so that you're able to withstand in the evil day. When he does come, be ready, because you're in Christ. You're en enveloped in Christ. You've got the whole armor of God, because Jesus Christ is that armor. If you remember about two years ago when we went through that, um, Jesus is still in the business of redeeming, and he does not redeem in part, 
but the whole. Jesus is real. So let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have Jesus. I don't know. I just feel led. That if there is someone today that is hurting, that is struggling with a rejected heart or any heart, I'm willing to now spend a little time with you. Today's the day to be free. So I'm just asking, if there is anyone, I'm not saying that there is one, but I just want to open it. If there is one, you can feel free to come forward, and I'll pray with you. Is that okay if I do that? It's not real, real late. And if there's anyone, and I'm not going to wait long or anything, it's just, if there is, I want to give that opportunity. And you can also call later. 